0: seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride illegal trails. trip. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. The
1: fuck is a Chinese are down
0: here. He snowboarders together on a run. You're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis, and they just think they can overcome the world. The
1: more you're around, the more you're going to find out. i like to think that death is out of the question. Their life starts at 40 miles an hour. So. You ride the chairlift. Or two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know. Welcome to Mind the Track with PowBot and Trail Whisperer. Ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today's April 25th, 2023 and you're listening to episode number seven. Here beside me is the professor of POW, the director of the Powder Intelligence Agency and the United Shredders of Snow, the one and only POWBOT, who just touched the camera and made a giant noise. POWBOT, how are you?
2: (laughs) What's up, buddy? I'm good, man. (laughs) I forgot to press record on the camera. Oh, you got it. At least you got it. it At least I got it just in time, man. How are you doing, man? Good good to see you. Yeah. yeah. Next, you know, it's great to see the director of the Dirt Intelligence Agency here now. Hi. Uh-huh, yes. In, in person. I got a we, promotion. You did get a promotion. We've we've each got our our, our director roles of different <laughs> different agencies of Shred. <laughs> uh you know and you're you're the guru of gravel and the resurrector of lost trail yes and you're the smartest mountain biker i know i, I realize that. Well, this, you don't this, know very
1: <laughs> many mountain bikers i guess I, I
2: get well you're the smartest out of all of them because i realized this weekend we were riding that you, you figured out this whole thing that you, you take your helmet off when you climb and i'm like yeah man, like, i gotta figure this trick out like i'm just here over here sweating and
3: yeah but yeah. have you ever fallen over climbing
2: well, on not, not on a, like a road. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were doing a bunch of enduro riding where it was just like simple road climb. And then, and then. but yes, I hear you. <laughs> but I, I was impressed with his like de-helmeting skills
1: and then going back back on to shred. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I've i gotten smart over the years. Not super smart, but smarter than I used to be. And that's <laughs> all that counts. So as long as you get a little smarter. And yeah, it just, it hogs your helmet out a lot, little slower. You know, it makes your helmet last a little longer. Because when you're just sweating... I sweat like a stuck pig, so I try to minimize the amount of sweat that, that I have. In,
2: trail smarts right here. Yeah. Well, in front of us. Yeah, we, we got, probably we got to chime in. So let right out. Of, yeah. Because yeah. someone's
1: like, who? Who the hell was that that just interjected? Um, we are super excited to be uh, hanging out with Amy Morrison this afternoon in her uh, little kitchen dining area in her home here in beautiful Carson City, Nevada. Uh, Amy welcome to mind the track. Welcome.
3: Thanks. Yeah. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Nice. Now we, um, uh, we got, I've known Amy for eight or nine years now. Uh, and we got a rec- mutual recommendation. I had thought of Amy uh, and I was like, oh, we got to have her on the show. And then y- you guys have a mutual friend, right? Who's that?
2: That's Mark Wallace. Okay. Who works works with me at Pianetta at our restaurant in Truckee. Okay. And uh, he, he works out of Start House. Give those guys a shout out as they're they're the best bike bike and ski shop in Truckee. And Mark came to work with us uh, starting about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And uh, he does a great job behind the bar and he wrenches really good on a bike too. And so I've I've been, you know, I think I originally sort of met him from going into Start House to have Greg Stone work on my bike. And then mark would, would step in when stubby wasn't around to work on the bike and then we you know we became friends and uh he's he's a great bartender and does a great job for us and uh yeah so i think we have that mutual friend and from what i understand he wrenches on your bikes amy
3: he does yeah yeah he's been doing that for a couple of years now um i met him at the north star ews race i i broke a derailleur off stage one and i came into the shimano pit where he was working and i said to him how fast can you change a derailleur? (laughs) And he did it in seven minutes and I was able to make it to stage two on time and yeah, like saved my race. And then I flatted later in the race and he helped me change that too. So after that race, I was living in Truckee just temporarily and I hit him up to do a bike build. And so he's been working on my bikes ever since then. And he's just Mm -hmm. so detail orientated and I totally trust what he's doing on the bike. And so I, you know, I get a bike back from him and I know it's good to go. And Cool.
2: Yeah. That's an interesting relationship, I'm sure, because, you know, I've, I've had stubby work on my bikes for years and, you know, I'm not racing on the level that you are, but, you know, I do feel like I put my life in his hands in some senses with how fast I go on that darn thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's... That's got to be an interesting relationship to have with someone. And you feel that way? You'd fully trust Mark with everything he's doing?
3: Totally. And it's like sometimes I can say what I'm feeling on the bike and he can understand what that might be like happening on the bike. And uh, just his level of knowledge bike related is you know, more mm-hmm. than I have as far as like what's compatible parts wise and how to, you know, fix, you know, he just has all these little tricks and he's always, you know, doing, doing really cool things. And I, yeah, I trust him and, You know, I'm I'm a teacher and I have a lot of things going on, so it's like it'd be really cool to be able to work on my bikes full time, but I I don't have that time. So I feel like when I do work on them, it's like I go into the garage and all of a sudden like three hours are like gone and I was just trying to like bleed a break. (laughs) So (laughs) it's yeah, it's way more time efficient to have him work on it and then I also can just, you know, I'm blonde, so, like, I do stupid things when I work on my stuff, so <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can go into a race or just even a ride knowing that, like, oh, I just got this back from Mark, like, it's dialed, so that's really nice
2: what's it like to always have a, a really good tuned bike like that? Like that's such a, you know, I sometimes when I get my bike back from those guys, I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. And then I'll, I'll mess with it a little bit and then it's never the same until I bring it back to <laughs> until I bring it back to him.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's super nice. I, I definitely go on, you know, trips where it's like, I'm away from home and yeah, okay. you know, I'm just on the road. Thankfully, though, I I you know know people and you know they're bike savvy, so people will help me out. But I've definitely jerry-rigged things. I'm I'm sure if you asked Mark, he, he would say like when I come back from these trips, he's like shaking his head like. What did you do to your bike? (laughs) Like, (laughs) why did you put this on here? Why did you do this this way? (laughs) Why is this super loose? Like, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it, like, works. But yeah, it, it, like, if it's going into like an important race, I definitely, like, Mm -hmm. you know, try to make sure that somebody of better knowledge is going through it and making sure it's, it's good. But, yeah, like when I'm when I'm in town and around, and he's able to work on stuff. It's it's really nice to have that.
2: It, I think again, I think it's a really interesting re- relationship. It makes me think of like surfers and shapers, and how certain surfers, as a professional, they they grow up and will eventually align themselves with a the shaper, and their their career goes forward with one particular shaper, and they just end up having like this you know really special relationship where the they, you know, they feed off each other and they work on design and they work like, you know, you were saying Mark does little tricks or tweaks things. And, uh, do you, do you guys ride together some so that he sort of knows your riding style and
0: not, sort of, not really. sort of sees how you ride? We
3: have rode together, but not, not a ton. He's been at a lot of the races okay. and I think he really has a good grasp on my riding style and he's seen how I ride and he's also seen mm. how I break things. So <laughs> yeah, he knows like what I'm going to wear out fast and, you know, sort of what Mm -hmm. would be good to, to move forward with. I think, yeah, I think that having that mechanic and that person that's helping you, you know, work on your bike and get your bike suited for you is really important. Just like it is when you have a coach that you really trust. It's like, you have to have that trust that like, okay, Mark said that I should use 35 rise bars. Like I trust his opinion. So like, I'll do it. And it's just like when you have a, a coach that's saying like you should do, you know, these days of intervals and then take this rest day. It's like, you have to trust it. If you don't trust it and you're going through it, then you're never going to get the benefits Mm -hmm. because you're always second guessing it and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So for folks who might not know you, um, Amy is a, is a professional mountain biker. She is a, also a profession, professional teacher. She's a teacher by profession. So when she's not riding her bike and racing her bike, she, uh, develops and guides the youth in, in the future <clears throat> and she also uh coaches a mountain bike team um which is super cool um, and so anyway amy also is just like multi-sport she does a lot of cool different stuff i think recently um what kind of sparked my uh just like we got to have her on the show is um she went on this little dual sport day with her friend uh to to e-bike to ski so you took did your friend have an e-bike too
3: Uh, I had a second e-bike. Oh, you had a second e-bike. Nice. (laughs) So I was like, I have this really cool idea. Do you want to come? And she's like, yeah. So I was like, perfect. I have all the things that you need. (laughs) Just show show up here and and, we'll go.
2: And and you you have enough ski straps to to (laughs) to strap everything to the bikes?
3: She didn't have like, um, well, the ski is like at my... Pack for skiing has like the ski straps on it. You guys, you it. guys put the skis on your yeah. On your packs. Okay. Yep. And then, um but yeah, no, I, I basically like living in Carson. There's Ash Canyon, and I've looked at it for like the last four years that I've lived here. There's like this really beautiful peak. There's actually multiple runs up there, and I always look at it, and it holds snow really well. And so I've always been like, man, I really should just like take the e-bike up there and go ski it, you know, and how mm-hmm. cool would that be? Just like going from the house and just like skiing a peak from the house. And so, yeah, so it was definitely a spring adventure because you want the south facing fire road to, to melt out. So, um, but yeah, we just pedaled up Ash Canyon. There's some single track and then got on the fire road and just pedaled up as high as we could go and ditched the mountain bikes and the bushes and awesome. then took off skiing. Yeah. And it was, it was epic. It was totally worth it.
2: It's like in, in the East, as I said, we do that a lot on, in the Eastern Sierras yeah. is e-bike to ski, but and this is a year where the Eastern Sierras has kind of found its way all the way up to Reno and Carson. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're able to ski all these peaks
1: here No, it's, it's
3: It's really cool to have that much snow and to be skiing so locally mm-hmm. in Carson.
1: Yeah. It's been the, it's been the winter of the backyard novelty ski. Mm -hmm. We were talking about, you know, another novelty ski, which I don't know if you've ever done, but, um, Swan John and I were in Virginia city the other weekend and we were walking up the main drag and I'm looking at Mount Davidson, which is this giant peak above Virginia city, like straight up out of town. And it was loaded and there's a North face on it. And I'm like, and in the heart of winter, I don't think anybody in Virginia City skis. I, 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 I doubt it. I mean, maybe. I don't want to stereotype, but I doubt
2: If there's it, a right? listener out there, like, yeah, hit, yeah, let hit, us if you know. let are listening know. and you live in Virginia <laughs> City, we'll hit come us out up. and shred with you. Oh, yeah.
1: But, dude, you could literally park on the main drag on C Street or whatever it is get out of your car, skin up the main street out of like Virginia city to the peak, shred the peak back down to your car and walk into the bar and have a beer, like go in and at, have a sarsaparilla. Totally. I mean, it's, I'm just looking at that face going, that's a novelty ski right there. I that know. we got to do that one next winter. I mean, you could still do it right now. Actually it was like looking corned up real nice. But have,
2: have, has wilderness Willie and the boys skied
1: it. I don't know if they've skied that one yet. I don't think it has enough prominence, but it definitely has pitch. It's, it's steep. Um, so anyway, that'd be a good one. Fun. But so Amy, did you tell us a little bit about your background, um, growing up and kind of the sports that you did as a kid and how you got into them and how you found skiing and biking?
3: Yeah. So I was born in Ohio and then we moved when I was about five to Michigan. So pretty similar places. But, um, when we moved to Michigan, my family really wanted to do something all together, so they bought a water ski boat, and we started water skiing. So I did a lot of water skiing, which is really nice in the summer in Michigan. But then, you know, outside of the summer, Michigan's not so nice, so I started doing I know. Typical. I know a little
2: bit about that. <laughs> what I'm lake or, did you I'm originally on? from Michigan. Silver
3: Lake. Silver Lake. Okay, yeah, that was cool. the lake cool. I grew up on. But there's tons, yep. tons of lakes oh, all around. Yeah, but yeah. The yeah. inland
2: lakes are the best.
3: Yeah, yeah. There's so... So yes, not during the summer, I would just do like normal sports. Like I was in soccer, I did a little recreational gymnastics. When I got into middle school, I actually like bribed my parents to let me do pretty much like every sport you can do in middle school. So I played basketball, I played volleyball, I swam, I dove, I did track while doing like travel soccer and gymnastics. So it was pretty wild at times. But then I got into high school and I narrowed down I played volleyball, <clears throat> swam, dove, and then track. And then in the summers I would ski. We actually did uh, like show skiing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Yeah. But that's kind of popular back in the Midwest. And so we show skied and then through show skiing, we met people that barefoot water skied and then we got into barefoot water skiing. Oh, that's gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> that's super gnarly. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if oh I ever God. really like enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't think
1: anybody ever really enjoys it. It's just like one of those like uh, masochistic things, right? Yeah. Could you I do mean, it
2: behind? Could you do it with a rope or only off a of boom?
3: Oh no, no, behind the we like competed in it. So oh, wow. I was on okay. like the junior world team and went to South Africa and competed in it. I Whoa. it took them longer oh to convince me God. to do it. My brothers were more into it. And they, my parents bribed me one summer cause I was basically going to all the competitions. So they're like, Amy, you just, you might as well do it. We're already going everywhere. And I, I didn't like it. Like I liked other kinds of water skiing, but not barefooting. Cause you're going 40 miles per hour and crashing hurts, you know, like you, you eventually learn how to tuck and it doesn't hurt as much, but like, yeah, when you fall, it's, you're hitting the water at a high speed. So they bribed me into doing it, um, one summer and because I started a little bit later, there's three events, tricks Solomon jump, but you can't start jumping until I forget what age but like they, they put a limit on it so you can't start jumping. we'll just say 14. And so that was when like I basically started really getting into it. So I was actually really good at jumping, which is like the scariest event. you're hitting a piece of plywood at like 40 miles per hour. Oh my gosh <laughs> going for distance. So I was really good wow. at jumping. so I made the world team for jumping and we went to South Africa, which was really cool. like it, it took us a lot of cool places but And I attribute my mountain bike kind of fearlessness to actually barefooting because you have to go so fast that I think that helped with being comfortable with speed. So there was some positive outcomes from (laughs) being tortured as a kid, but, but yeah, so we barefoot water skied, but then, uh, yeah, I got into high school and, uh, was really, you know, into those sports. Um, I was a really good swimmer and diver. Um, I was third in the 50 free and, you know, uh, Like top five in diving. I liked swimming and diving, but I really liked track. That was like where my heart was. And I pole vaulted. And my junior year, I broke the state record in pole vault and won states. And then I won again in my senior year. And I was getting offers for track scholarships. And I really wanted to get out of Michigan because it's really gray there in the winter. And um, I guess I should backtrack. My parents taught us how to snow ski when we were kids. Where did you
1: grow up skiing?
3: Um it's called Mount Holly. It was a oh, land, yeah. it was a landfill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. I, I
2: grew up shredding the, the one in Grand
0: Rapids. Oh okay. The other yeah. landfill. The other landfill. The other landfill. <laughs> the other <laughs> landfill.
3: <laughs> yeah, funny enough I I really liked skiing. We'd go up north yeah. I didn't like, I didn't like night skiing. So like, it's a thing in Michigan. I don't know if they still do it, but it's like, if you go up north and you stay at a hotel, they like give you free night skiing the first night you're there. And like, it's so cold. It's miserable. Like, (laughs) I think I asked to go get hot chocolate like every other run. like You're just freezing. (laughs) But, um, but I did like skiing enough. I remember asking my parents if I could be on the ski team and they were like, yeah. Why don't you try volleyball? And like, if, if volleyball doesn't work out, we'll talk about it next year. And so I got into volleyball and pretty much didn't, didn't ski like snow ski in the, in the winter after that, all through high school, I was just too into the school sports. And then I went to college. I looked at schools pretty much just in the South because I wanted to get out of Michigan and the West coast seemed so far away. Like I didn't even yeah. consider California because I was like, that's way too far away. So I ended up at Clemson, um, which I loved it. It's a, you know, great school down in South Carolina. And I did track there and pole vaulted and uh, was really into that. But I did do a little water skiing while I was there. I would sneak away and made friends with the water ski club and I'd water ski with them. And my dream was like to graduate college and move to Florida and live on a private lake and water ski every day. So We're not, (laughs) we changed path a lot. Just (laughs) a little,
2: just a little bit. You went to dry Carson City and (laughs) now you're sliding on snow and riding dusty
1: trail.
3: (laughs) There are some private lakes, I think, somewhere (laughs) around here.
1: (laughs) Do you still water ski?
3: No, no, not really. When was the last time you did it? A couple years ago, I went home to Michigan. So like if I ever go home to Michigan, my parents still have our boat and we, we go out and we ski Uh, there's a really good water skier, Marcus Brown, who lives up in Chico and he's also into mountain biking Oh, cool! and, uh, yeah, he's kind of a legend in slum skiing and he's always like, Oh, you got to come to Chico and like, we'll, we'll ski. And yeah, we keep talking about it and I really need to make it happen. I still have the ski in my garage and I have a trick ski in my garage, just like waiting there. I also have a barefoot water, like a barefoot suit, but I don't, I don't really want to put that one back on.
2: I think (laughs) there's a club too in Truckee.
3: Oh is there? Uh, yeah,
2: the, for uh on Stampede or Prosser. I
3: heard one of those yes, has a they course. Have,
2: they have a course. Yeah. And, uh, I had some friends that are into it. Darren Ralphs actually goes out there and does, oh, does that he? does that course every now and again. Oh, okay. So some other people I know do that. But yeah, there is a little bit of a water ski club and community in, in Truckee.
3: Yeah. I mean I would I would lo- I loved it and I would love to still do it, but it's one of those sports where it's like yeah, having a boat. Like, the yeah. best boat you can have is your friends. Yes. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, oh, you know, it's, it's it. like if your friend has a boat and you want to go out with them, it kind of... Like, here, the lake access is not the same. Like, growing up yeah. in Michigan, everybody has a dock, and you just, like, you could just go out for uh, two hours or an hour yeah. in the morning, and then you're back home. And But here, it's like you have to trailer it, and it's like it's a whole-day thing usually, so...
1: Yeah, just, a lot of logistics.
3: Yeah, so I've just, you know, and I've, yeah. I've found so many other sports that I, I stay pretty busy where I'm not just like sitting at home like oh it'd be really fun yeah. to go do this.
2: So it sounds like you were hyper competitive.
3: Yeah. Growing
2: <laughs> up and but in other sports like what was the bridge moment that then got you into mountain biking? So yes. Yeah, like, what so was, was there a certain person that inspired you to Um, or mentored you into mountain biking or how did you find your way into it? Yeah,
3: So towards the end of my collegiate career, I, um, I had a friend that was on the track team and then she got into road biking. And so, um, and I was dating a guy who did triathlons. And so I, I kind of started road biking a little bit. And when I graduated college, my parents bought me a road bike as a graduation gift. And then I took a job as a pharmaceutical sales rep for a dermatology company but the deal with that was that every couple of months they could move me, so it was it was like mm. this like uh, they called it like a representative in training, but I had to agree for two years that wherever they wanted me to go, I would move. So it was like yeah, everything had to be like pretty condensed packing wise, because they would just call me up and be like, hey, you're going here. And so my first place was Denver. And that was awesome. That kind of opened my eyes. I mean, my parents had taken us to the mountains. Went, like we went? We made a trip out to uh, Breckenridge, I think, when I was you know young for a ski trip. But I, you know, when you're like 10 years old, you don't really, I don't know, you don't really like appreciate where you are. So, um, so going back to Denver was really when I was like, wow, like the mountains are beautiful. Like I love being in the mountains. And I, I had the road bike, and I would just road bike around a little bit. And I actually did a century ride. I signed up for a century, did like a century on the road bike. And, um, one time I was like, oh, I really want to go like up into the mountains. And I, I looked up like, like mountain rides in outside of Denver and I ended up at, um, what's the peak that you can ride up? It's like the highest peak. Uh, Pikes, Pikes Peak. I think it was Mount Evans.
0: Evans. Yeah. Yeah. And so
3: I found this ride, like, this is like, I didn't have like, I had a watch. That's what I use. Like I didn't track miles or elevation or anything. And I didn't really like look when I read the thing, it was like, oh, beautiful ride based out of this town, you know, Mount Evans. And I was like, cool. So I like went and I parked and I like started pedaling and it was like all uphill. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) And then I got to this lake, like the, like the point where like they, they closed the road. Like, so I got to this lake and people were like, all these other bikers were like, Hey, they just opened the, you can go all the way to the top. This is like July. They're like, you can go all the way to the top. And I was like, Okay, we're not at the top right now, like,
0: <laughs> <You got> more. <laughs> <laughs> and they're
3: like, Oh yeah, they just opened it up. It's like $5 for a bike. And I was like, ah, I was like, I, I'm hungry. And I'm going to go into the shop and buy something. And this guy was like, I'll buy your pass, like, come with us. And I was like, okay. And so he like paid for the little toll to go on the road and yeah, I went to the top of Mount Evans, just like didn't even know that that's what I was doing. I got to the top and it was freezing because it's like... It's a 14er. Yeah, it was freezing and I was really tired and like... Did I, you have
1: adequate clothing?
3: No, no. I think I did have like a <laughs> like a rain jacket, but it was like really light yeah. and my hands were numb. And I just like went up to this couple who had a truck and I was like, can I get a ride down with you? <laughs> the yeah. road was also like potholey and destroyed and... I did not, I would, I probably would have gotten Was it worth the five bucks
1: or what was it? You're like, five bucks, do I get a ride up and down for that five bucks?
3: But this couple gave me a ride back down to the lake and then from the lake I I went down back to the car. But like, I just looked back on that and I was like, oh my gosh, like that, what was I doing? I just like looked up a ride and just like climbed to the top of Mount Evans, like. Yeah, it was crazy. That's a good adventure. That's, yeah,
2: that's where it starts for people.
3: Yeah. So then, but then I got moved to Can. Uh, I got moved to Chicago, which was a little depressing because you know in Denver I was able to to road bike and I mm-hmm. you know I got a lot of exercise out there. And then I moved to Chicago in the winter, and I just I'm not a city person. And that was also when like you're like oh I'm not in college anymore. I don't my friends aren't right next door. And I pretty much up until that point had always been told what to do to work out like here's your training plan Here's your lifting schedule and Chicago was where it really hit where it was like, oh my god Nobody's telling me I have to do anything and like, you know It's not nice to just go outside and run or ride a bike and going into the gym and not not really having a plan That was really hard. And so I feel like Chicago is extra hard for that reason And then I moved back to Denver and then they moved me to Kansas city and then I moved to Sacramento. And then Mm. when I got to Sacramento, I became permanent and I had the Northern California, Northern Nevada territory. And I was like, okay, this road biking thing is cool, but like, I've been checking out mountain bikes, you know, like trails, like everywhere I go, like that, that looks way more fun. Like not being on the road, it looks like, you know, just more exciting. And so I, when I became permanent, I went and bought a mountain bike.
2: What, Uh, what was the first bike?
3: It was a specialized fate, a hardtail. Okay. Yeah, I had I was like making good money doing the farmer sales, and then when I was traveling, they were paying for everything. So, like when I went into the bike shop and I saw how much bikes cost, like I think it probably cost Gulp. like three thousand dollars. But um, I think I saw like the spread, you know, like you know the all mountain bikes that were more expensive down to the. The hardtail, which, you know, is a little cheaper because it's just a hardtail. So but I remember buying it and being like, Oh my god, I can't believe I just paid three thousand dollars for this. Like that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> so but yeah, that was the first bike. I bought it from Mike's Bikes and um yeah, just started riding. I think I don't know if I used trail forks or what I used. I used I think I would just it may Google
2: before trail forks. I think it
3: was before trail forks. I think so it was 2013, I think, okay. was the, when I bought it.
1: So it wasn't that long ago. No. Yeah, they had. I think they had trail forks then. But, yeah,
3: but I, I think I would just like Google like where to ride, and yeah. I rode. I rode a lot of like Granite Bay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. To start. Yep. Yeah.
1: Is the bread ready?
3: Oh yeah, we should probably check on that. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that's. <laughs> we, we don't have to. Yeah. St- you can you can am take. I, can you take to, care of it? Yeah, All right. Yeah, so I'm I'll on I'll, on I'll do air, I'll do kind of. Description of what's going on here. So, Amy's leaving right after we record this um, to head towards the uh, TDS event this weekend, and she needs to eat dinner. And she was so gracious to squeeze us into her busy schedule. So, she's baking bread right now, and Powbot walked over to her oven and is pulling the bread out of the oven. Out
0: too,
3: or not? No, I think it needs like 10 more minutes. It looks like it needs a little
2: bit. Okay,
1: so, all right, we're good then. Did you have a timer on that? I just didn't want to.
3: I did, but I think I accidentally paused it. But, okay. now, but I think 10 more minutes with the top off, right. and it'll be Great. good to go.
1: There we go. On it. Perfect. <laughs> it's just there's a little bit of, you know, we add a little uh, kind of lifestyle into this whole thing. <laughs> you know, eating is important too.
3: Well, it's more like I just want the bread for the week at TDS. So,
1: so tell was... us about this bread. Well, sorry, let's not derail the conversation. We'll, we'll talk about the bread when we pull it out of the oven. <laughs> okay. So well, why don't we get back to riding Granite Bay? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And on a hardtail, what, what was your first full suspension bike?
3: Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I was riding the hardtail and I would, when I bought the hardtail, actually Mike's bikes had this thing, I think it was like $50. If you paid 50 extra dollars, you could get like unlimited tune-ups for two Mm -hmm. years. And so when I bought the bike, I was like, that seems like a good deal. And so I bought it and I was living just down the street from the bike shop and yeah, every single ride, I pretty much like if I flatted or if my wheel was like wobbling or whatever, I'd go in there. And so, um, the manager was Brian Durling and, uh, the, uh, mechanic was, uh, rich Mal. And so I kind of got to know those guys and rich is an awesome guy and he would always like, just tell me like. I always felt bad because I was like, don't you need to be working right now? Because he just, he can talk. And like, he was like telling me like what I did to my bike and like why he was fixing like it this way. And was just telling me things. He would tell me about trails and things I should ride. And then <clears throat> the manager, Brian, one day when I came in, he was like, Hey, like, cause I was riding by myself all the time. And he was like, Hey, like, do you want some girls to ride with? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And he's like, well, give me your, your card or your info and I'll give it to them. And so he connected me with these two girls, Nicole and Sarah, who are training for endurance, uh, mountain bike nationals. Mm. And so I started riding with them and, um, yeah, I was, I was telling you earlier that they took me on this Auburn ride. That was like probably to this day, one of my biggest Auburn rides, (laughs) it was like 30 plus miles, like over 7,000 feet of climbing. We like started at the confluence, went up. We did Stonewall twice, so we, like, climbed up the Mammoth Bar, and then the second time we climbed up the Fire Road, we went out, we did Squaw out to, you know, the Forest Hill Divide Loop, but then we did, like, Ruckachucky, the the Fire Road down to the river, and then we did another one, and then there was a third one, like, over by Connector, and then when we came up the third one, and we got on the Connector, like, that, there's that climb, like, the you go down over the bridge. I, yep. I walked it. Like I was <laughs> I was so done. Like so tired. And um yeah that was that was a huge ride. <laughs> so
1: they, they officially you were like I'm not gonna be a cross country race. Here. Yeah, I was like
3: <laughs> I don't really know about this whole pedaling thing. <laughs> but um but yeah they were like Nicole and Sarah were super instrumental in like helping me mm-hmm. develop as a rider. Like you know they took me riding in Tahoe and um, another funny story was I was on that specialized fate with, with no dropper post or anything. And we did, um, castle, the, is it castle peak, The whole,
2: uh, hole in the ground, hole in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah and we soul. did a hole in the yeah. ground, hole in the uphill both ways.
3: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, but then we got to the stair part and, um, I remember, I remember they're like, you're going to want to put your seat down. And I was like, nah, I'll be fine. <laughs> just sent it down the stairs. Yeah, like high posted oh, yeah. on a hard to, I crashed. That, and oh, <laughs> and flatted. <laughs> yeah, I think I flatted and then I crashed, but whatever. Um but they but they were like
0: awesome. they're like
3: you're really good at the downhill like, you know, like you're you're doing really well at downhill and um I was like, yeah, that's what I enjoy the most. And so Brian at the shop talked me into buying a Santa Cruz Bronson. So that was my first all-mountain oh, bike. Okay. And that one came, I'd say like maybe like 8 months after I bought the the hardtail, I bought the Santa Cruz Bronson. First thing I did is I went up to Northstar and I went down Live wire and <laughs> tried to teach myself how to jump. I crashed awesome. and I landed on the sprinkler system and like cut my knee open because oh, oh I didn't no. have, I didn't have knee pads oh, no. Knee
1: pads, everyone. The knee pads. <laughs> yeah.
3: But yeah, brilliant. so that was like day one on the Bronson. But, but yeah, then I, I kind of went into like a shuttle phase where all I wanted to do was shuttle. And yeah. I think that's not terrible. Like you get a lot of practice going downhill and whatnot. But then Sarah and Nicole were like, you should try Enduro. So they were the first ones that, that mentioned Enduro to me. Like I had never heard what Enduro was. All I had really known was like cross country or downhill. And they were like, yeah, there's this type of racing where you, you know, you just pedal to the top and then you just get timed on the downhill. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And there was the mammoth kamikaze games. And so I went and I signed up and raced that, but I flatted twice and ended up just walking out. So I didn't actually finish
2: so. so when when was that when was your first <clears race?
3: throat> that must have been like the um like sup, like late september of 2013 okay was like the first one and then and then yeah and then i um you know i was riding through the winter i think it was a drought winter so mm-hmm. i think it were, i was riding mills peak like in november yes
1: mm-hmm. it was you <clears throat>
2: we were shuttling that was yeah that was a, that was in the middle of the drought yeah yeah, yeah. those were the drought years
3: Yeah. So I was, um, I was riding like Mills Peak in November and with a friend and we had, we had shuttled it and then we got to the bottom and she had to go, she had like a hair appointment or something. And I was like, well, that was so fun. Like I want to do it again. And I saw these people like on the trail and then they were in the parking lot and it was Ron Sanchez who, um, owns the property at TDS Mm -hmm. and has the race and his son Casey and their friend Max. And so I went up to them and I was like, Hey, I was like, are you guys doing that again? Can I like, can I get a shuttle with you guys? And so they're like, sure. And so we, uh, we did the Mills peak shuttle again. And then Ron at the bottom was like, you know, you're not, you're not too bad for a girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <And> he's, like, <laughs> <Ron>. <laughs> he's like, we have this property uh, in
3: grass Valley. Like you should come ride it. And like, you know, I, oh, I shuttled rad. back up with Casey, his son and got Casey's number, but it took me a while before I like reached out to like, be like, Hey, like, you know, what's this property thing about? But, um, but yeah, I met, I met somebody else who Stosh Bankston and he was like, oh yeah, like, um, let's go to Ron's property. And so I went out there for like, you know, trail work day and riding. And that was like, that was spring of 2014. And Ron was like, we're going to have girls this year in the Enduro. You should do it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not that like I'm, you know, I, I didn't finish the race at Mammoth. So I didn't even really know how I stacked up. So I was like, I don't really know if I'm good enough. And he's like, you're good enough. You should do it. And I did it. And I ended up getting third behind Joanna Brad. and Teal. And that was kind of like my like, oh, wow, like I'm, I'm good at this. Like I beat some people that are supposedly good at this so I yeah like I'm doing it and Teal um Teal was actually really huge in those early days as well like she was a cheerleader for me she was like you really you really have a knack for this and like you're really good like just keep at it and yeah she was really supportive which was really cool
1: Teal Stetson Lee Mm -hmm. yeah
0: she's awesome Yeah,
3: yeah and she was like kind of like in her prime in her career yeah and so I really looked up to her and so to have someone like her being like you're really good at this. Like keep at it, you know. And like I would crash all the time, but it was like cool to like know that somebody like Teal was like you're doing you're doing really well. Like keep working at it. So
1: So you went from never doing a race to <clears> doing one <throat> expert event that's, and then she wild. was professional.
2: I know. Like I, I, like anyone listening <laughs> out there like you can go yeah. from a hardtail to winning <laughs> enduros in 2 years. I'm I'm <laughs> <laughs>
0: You I'm just have super to,
2: impressed. You just
0: can't I mean, be afraid to crash. I guess yeah, it sounds like. Yeah. So wow.
3: I was doing dermat, like dermatological pharmaceutical sales, and uh, the dermatologist I would call on, like you know, it's like summer in Sacramento. It's like hundred mm-hmm. degrees. Like I can't wear pants. Like I'm not wearing a pantsuit. So I'd wear dresses and skirts, and my legs were just like destroyed. <laughs> and like I had one dermatologist that was like well, you're never going to be a leg model. <laughs> and like the nurses would be like giving me aqua and telling me to cover them up. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I crashed a lot in the beginning. Like, I, and I like back to the barefooting, like I really think that barefooting helped me like with the crash response. Like when you, when you crash barefooting, like you really want to tuck and yeah, yeah. Um, so you don't scorpion on the water. And I yeah. think that that really helped when I would crash on the bike. Like I just had a really good sense of like, not, you know, sticking an arm out or, you know, getting yeah. hurt crashing. Cause it, yeah, crashing is not good. If you're getting hurt all the time, that's really going to delay your progression in the
1: sport. Have you cra- ever crashed really hard and hurt yourself pretty bad?
3: Yeah. So I've had a concussion, like definitely I've had one of those. Um, I broke my scaphoid, which is in your wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then. Outside of that, like I've had some hard hits and some really big bruises, but, um, I dislocated a finger and broke a finger. Um, and then, yeah, I had to get eight stitches in my hand, but that was like the silliest thing. I just like fell over onto a rock and yeah. Yeah. So I've been, I've been pretty fortunate in the scheme of things, I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: So the bike world is so neat to me because it's, it, it's, it's inclusive you know, you, you meet those people at those, at the bike shop originally, and they're like, Hey, you know, come ride with us or meet these people. And then that opens a door and then another door opens and then another door opens mm-hmm. and, and, you know, people start showing you trail and, and now where you're at, like, you know, the, like what's, you were just in Tasmania. Yeah. Like the, so that's amazing that, 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 a door is now open for you to be traveling and be a professional athlete. And, you know, what's your take on that? And, and, yeah, and I, where and where where are you in the bike world right now?
3: I I mean I lo- I love the mountain bike community. I think that's really the the best part about mountain biking. You know? Oh, bread! For bread. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm on it. Keep going! I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lose that bread train yet, of thought.
3: Yeah, yeah um, but yeah, like it, doing sports in high school is is great, but a lot of them come to an end, and yeah. you know that's. that's... <laughs>
1: Tom's in his restaurant mode oh, wait, right wait, now. Can you just hit
3: off? It's yeah. the cancel off button. <laughs> <laughs> it does look perfect. Uh,
1: Tom's perfect. in the kitchen. <laughs> his happy place.
3: Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like all the sports I did in high school, it's like you you finish high school and they're kind of done. And then I, yeah. I did track in college. And once I was done, like I literally have not pole vaulted since my last track meet. So a lot of sports come to an end, whereas like, mountain biking is so lifelong and it's also, it's, yeah. it's a way to like make friends and and meet people and have a community, which I think is really, really awesome. And I've loved that. Like I have, I feel like I could go anywhere in the United States and like, I would be able to find somebody like I would either know them already, or I would know somebody that knows them. And like yeah. somebody would be like, Oh, Hey, like my friend Amy's traveling through you know, Asheville, like, can she park in your your driveway or something like, and, and I feel like the mountain bike community is just so neat in that way where everybody is just so generous and, and helpful. And, and yeah, so that's been really cool. And yeah, right now I'm, I'm racing professionally and like, well, I guess I was racing professionally, like that TDS race, but, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, it took a little bit to get sponsors and to get support, but Mm -hmm. I am at a place right now in my career with mountain biking where it's like, I'm getting good support and, um, yeah, I'm able to, to do it at a high level.
2: Do you feel that the female athletes these days are getting as much support as the male athletes?
3: It's really interesting that you asked me that right now, because I, I just talked to one of my friends and, and, you know, competitors, um, she actually asked me, she's like, Hey, do you mind like telling me like what you're getting? And, you know, we had a conversation about it and it's, it's really like, it's like a thing that nobody talks about. So it's really hard. Like
0: I was like, it should be talked about.
3: Yeah. I was like, I honestly don't really know what anybody else is getting. Like, this is, you know, this is what's happened for me. And like, for me, it happened like pretty organically, like over the years, like I'm not really, even though I was in sales, I'm not a salesy person and it's really hard to ask for what you feel like your value is because, Mm -hmm. you know, very quickly when they say no, then all of a sudden you're like, well, shoot, like, am I not worth that? Like, I guess I'm not worth that. So, um, I think that's been, been hard and I've, it hasn't been an easy track for me, but it's kind of all like worked out in the last couple of years pretty nicely. But, um, but yeah, like nobody really knows what anybody else is getting. And, you know, there's not this like standard of, of Mm -hmm. what you should get and how you should get it. And, Yeah. It's a, it's a really hard market. So I don't even really know like what if I'm, if I'm getting what, you know, Marco's getting my teammate or, you know, like it's just not, it's not something that's talked about versus like teaching. It's like, you could go and look up my salary right now and know how much I'm making. Like, it's not like a standardized thing. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. You know, in the, so in the surf world, that's the, the one sport that I really follow outside of mountain biking and skiing is professional surfing. And, Within the last year, uh, the WSL has gone to equal pay,
0: mm.
2: it, it particularly prize money for female and, and male athletes. And I think mm-hmm. you know they were they sort of pride themselves in, in taking that path and, and being the first or you know organization that does support both both male and female athletes. And in, in doing that, uh, so I mean I, I just think that it's just in time that that it, that it happens. Yeah, but, and I mean, but, but M- the M- conversation has, should be the conversation yeah. should be had in the sport
3: mountain biking does have like, I, I think pretty much every race I go to, there's equal, there pay is equal out. pay. Awesome. Yeah. That's good to hear. Um, I that's, think that's, that's been great. around for a couple of years at least now. Mm-hmm. Like that's been pretty standard, which is cool. It's just, yeah, it's just the, the, what the companies or yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's a hard game for sure. Like, you know, timing of when to ask and who to ask and who has budget. And then they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out who's going to commit to them. And then if this person doesn't commit, then they have this much, but if they, you know, it's like, I'm sure it's a puzzle Mm -hmm. for, for companies as well to figure out. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've I've gone the route of not being like a factory rider. So, you know, know, these big teams for like the Enduro World Series, for example, like they have factory teams and there's Mm -hmm. factory positions and I've made more. So I, I guess, backing up in my story, I did pharmaceutical sales, um, for six years total, and then I was getting pretty bored with it. And so I decided to quit, um, both as like a way to change professions, but then also just, I'd saved a lot of money doing that job. And I was just like, well, I have a lot of money saved. Like, why don't I just quit and just travel and race and just have fun. Is that when you
2: applied yourself more to, 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 racing and biking?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it wasn't like I'm going to quit my job because I want to be a pro racer. It wasn't that attitude. It was Mm. more of like, I don't really want to do this job anymore. So I'm going to quit and then just travel and race. And, you know, racing is going to be a part of it. But the goal is just to have fun, basically. Yeah. And then I decided teaching would be... Like a good move for me. I thought about firefighting, but I really like sleeping. So I settled <laughs> with teaching, but I that's, wanted a job. <laughs> yeah. I wanted a job that I could feel rewarded with because I didn't really feel that with the pharmaceutical sales. And it, it was, you know, it was a thought like I'd wake up in the morning, you know, for work and I'd be like, what happens if I don't go to work today? Eh, nothing. nothing like, yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes I would like be on vacation and my sales numbers would go up. It's like, yes. What? <laughs> Like, how does that happen? Right. So I, I wanted something that would be more rewarding and something that would get me out of the bed in the morning. Like if I don't go to work, like, yeah, it's going to be hard, like for the, you know, the day to go on because I'm not there. So um, but I settled on teaching and I started going to school uh, at Sierra Nevada, which is in Incline village. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I started the teaching program there and I was going to school. I'm just riding. I would substitute teacher there just to make a little bit of money. And then I was riding for Fuji at the time and they were giving me some money and some travel money. And it was the end of the season. So in the fall, and they were like, Hey, we want you to race the full EWS next year. We're going to give you support. And I was like, that's rad. Like, this is like a dream. Like, this is what I want to do. And then their parent company filed for bankruptcy. So all the brands got sold off. And so they were like, we can't, give you a con- this is November. They're like, we can't give you a contract because we don't know what's gonna happen. And so this was November of twenty eighteen and they were like, Yeah, we can't guarantee you a contract until somebody buys us. So sorry, like we, we don't know what to tell you. And so I was like, oh no, like what am I gonna do? Like I I'm just going to school right now and I was really looking forward to that EWS season and that was my plan. But I had this friend that I had made in class and she was a teacher at Dayton High. Like you can, you can teach like a number of ways. One of them is called alternative route to licensure. So you can like teach while you're going to school. And that's what she was doing. And she's like, we have this job opening up, up at my school, like at the mid-year and you'd be perfect for it. And I was like, I don't know about Dayton. And I went home, I was living in Truckee and I went home and I looked up Dayton and saw that it was just out of Carson city. And I was like, okay, like, you know, Carson doesn't seem that bad. Like, and I also hadn't student taught yet. And so Mm -hmm. this was a way to basically teach and not have to do student teaching. You were able to jump that. yeah, Yeah. Basically get paid to teach and not have to just give up a semester student teaching. So I decided, I was like, well, I should just go, like, go apply and interview. And if I get the job, like, I'll just do it. And so I did and I got the job. And so it was a crazy, like, so then I started January of 2019. So I was teaching for the first time, technically student teaching. So I had a supervisor that would come watch me, which is stressful. And then I was taking six credit hours, um, to finish the credential. And then I was, um, also in my interview, I said like, Oh, I did track in college and I would be happy to coach. And then of course the track assistant job came open. So I was, I felt obligated to coach and I wanted to coach, but it was just like, maybe let's wait until I have a little more time. But So anyways, I I coached track and then we had a pretty big winter that year too. Like everybody in Carson was like, oh, it never snows this much. I'm like, yeah, great. (laughs) Like I can't do anything. And then, um, I w I was backcountry skiing though, but, um, but yeah, but Sundays were like my only free time Sundays and then sunset skis. So Mm -hmm. I started backcountry skiing after work and my friend, Anna, who lives in Tahoe, we'd meet up and do sunset skis. So that's where like sunset skis kind of originated that year when I had, Pretty much no free time, so <laughs>
2: And it sounds like that that's kind of a tradition for you now. You've been doing it yeah. in, the, in the last year.
3: Yep. So um yeah, I've I've been doing that the last couple of winters. I, I feel like it's just such a fun way after work to just enjoy. Like as a teacher you start early, so I'm there at seven and then the kids are done at two thirty and then we leave around three. So there's some time, you know, in the winter. to to get some daylight and yeah, if there's snow on the ground and you can't really do anything else, like skiing's your best option. Go ski some pow. Yeah. And like the heart of the winter too, it's, you know, the sun doesn't get up very high. So like the, even if it hasn't snowed for a couple of days, it's still going to be good good. back there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So that, that was like where the sunset skis originated was that 2019, but, but yeah, so that was, that was how I got into teaching and uh, made that career change.
1: Interested in your bicycle. Contact me ASAP. Hmm. Hi. Which bike are you interested in? Yes, the bicycle. I pay top dollar. Hmm. Right, but I have a couple for sale. I can wire you $4,000 now. Just give me your bank account and social security number? I don't even know who you are. I am Nigerian Prince? Serious buyer? There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy. charter partner of Mind the Track. Now back to the show.
2: And now you're, you're coaching mountain biking as well. Is it out of Dayton or is it greater yeah. Carson city area?
3: It's just, it's at Dayton high it's school. Dayton. Yeah. So awesome. Kind of like back to when I was in high school, like I had so many good coaches. Like I really attribute a lot of my competitive success to these coaches that I had. Like I had a swim coach when I decided I was going to do track in college. Like He like helped me get scholarships and like find these schools for track, even though he was my swim coach. And like Mm -hmm. I was hurt one, one season and, um, I couldn't run and he helped me in the pool. We like set up this like PVC pipe off the diving board and I would like go underwater and do like the pole vault swing. And, you know, he was just like always there to help me, which was amazing, you know, to have that support. And then, um, I also had a pole vault coach from a neighboring school that would just like meet me. And like coach me and would never let me pay. Like my parents would be like, Oh, like, let's give Mr. Rainwater some money and he would never take it. And so I just had all these like coaches that really went out of their way to help me. And so I've always wanted to coach and really give back in that Mm -hmm. way. And, um, it was a little hard, like teaching for the first time and also still trying to like do my own racing and riding and manage all these things. I bought a house and remodeled a house. It was, it was really busy, but then COVID hit Um, which was in some ways a blessing in disguise because it really freed up some time for me. And so when we went back to school in fall of 2020, there was no sports for the kids. Like they weren't allowed to do sports. There was no after-school activities. And so I asked if even,
2: even outside ones.
3: Well, so I asked, there was no, like they didn't even have cross country that year. Like they weren't allowed to play soccer. Like, yeah, because of contact and being close by. But I asked if, if mountain biking would be okay because it's outside and we could stay socially distanced, like you don't have to come into contact with anybody. Yeah. So they said it would be okay. And so I started the mountain bike club, um, in, in the fall of 2020 and we joined the NICA league awesome. and, um, yeah, it was, it was super fun. Like I got some kids out on bikes and some kids had bikes. I, Asked people for old bikes. Um, and yeah, like some kids would show up on like their parents, like super old bike, but like they don't know any better. So they're just, they're stoked, you know? Like mm-hmm. some kids would be in Crocs, like cut off shorts. Like <laughs> <laughs> I've had one kid the last awesome. two years that like wears a sweatshirt even when it's like 90 out. I'm like, Julian, what are you doing? Like,
1: Got to sweat off that body fat, man.
3: You know, he's like super lean too. I'm like, how are you not just dying in there? You know, like. But yeah, so I, I started the mountain bike club, and and that's been really fun. Like, it makes for a really busy fall. So now that like all yep. the racing's back online, like my fall is is pretty hectic. But um, I really, yeah, I really love like seeing the kids like on the bikes and having fun. And, and as competitive as I am, the mountain bike club is not competitive. Like. It's,
2: it's, it's just going out and having fun.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like, the kids don't really have, like, a... I mean, all kids have, like, an inner competitiveness. Like, we'll play fun games, and they get really yeah. into it. Like, last year, we started setting up these obstacle courses behind the school. Like, my brother's the woodshop teacher, and he made us, like, a teeter-totter and, like, a skinny... And then I would, I would set up cones and then we'd make relay teams and like, we would just have these relays where they'd be like going through the cones. I'd put like water bottles on the ground and they'd have to like lean over and grab the water bottles. And then, yeah, just like trying to just make it fun. So it wasn't all about fitness and just trying to add in like these other, other skills that they can learn. And so they have competitiveness, but it's like more of a fun competitive drive, not like a let's go out and smash ourselves for, you know, an hour in a cross country loop. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we did do two races and, and, um, this is like the funniest story. So we had this cross country runner who was really fit and, um, she, she did the, I think it she I think it was JV one, but either way it was like her first mountain bike race and she won. And when she went on the podium, like, you know, they, they were like, Oh, like congrats with, and like, um, what's next for you? Like, And she's like, I think I'm going to try golf. (laughs) 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 Like they totally were asking like, you know, like what's your next race? But she's like, I think I'm going to try golf.
2: (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah.
3: So, but yeah, it's, it's super fun. I try to like, you know, um, Uh, like during the week we do like an Ash Canyon or a uh, Centennial, which is in Carson. We try to like do just a Carson ride and then we'll do one behind the school, which there's just tons of BLM behind the school, which one day would be cool to get some more trails back there. There's some some, some little trails, like I think that horses just kind of put in, that we'll ride. But then on Saturdays, I try to do like a fun Tahoe ride. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, we'll do like um, Clear Creek is one of their favorites. Like we'll shuttle mm-hmm. up Spooner. Yeah, um, We've fun. done... Um, basically Mount Rose will take incline flume to the flume yep. to chimney beach. Like they love that oh, I one. I love that downhill.
0: That's yeah. One it's of my downhill. favorites. Yeah.
3: yeah. And then, yeah, I just try to pick some like cool places. We've gone to sky tavern. We've done, um, we've done Northstar the last two years, which mm-hmm. is slightly scary. Like I don't want anybody to get hurt, but like, they love it. Like, um, one of the girl, like two of the girls, like were riding up the gondola and like when they got to the mid station, I was like. I was like oh have you guys like rode a chairlift before and they're like no and the one girl's like I think I just filled up all of my data with photos from the gondola <laughs> like they just like they just loved it you know like they loved being up there on the chairlifts and and just riding downhill like and you know they some of them are on hardtails like not the most ideal bike but I like you know laid out a map of like okay like these are the trails you can ride. Do not ride live wire. Do
0: not ride <laughs> Fodog.
3: If you see a black diamond, do not ride it. <laughs> but I like, love
1: the fact that you're telling these kids not to ride live, uh, <laughs> live wire. And that was the first trail you rode when you got to North Star. You're well, like, I'm, I'm going down that one. <laughs>
3: I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> have them learn from my mistakes.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, that's it, it's you're, you're changing their lives. So yeah. I mean, I'll mean, i share with you that I had I went to Truckee High for a year. I moved from Michigan mm-hmm. in, in high school in ninth grade, went to Truckee high. And then I went back to Michigan for two years and I came back from my senior year of high school in Tahoe. And I had an English teacher, Tom Chandler, who, who exposed me to mountain biking then. And I think he took me the two rides that I remember that stick out in my mind is he took me on the original O over the bars trail to Deer Creek and we rode from Tahoe City to, to back to Squaw Valley, or sorry, Palisades, but we, I was going to Squaw Valley Academy at the time. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit later, he did take me on my first flume ride. And that, you know, just that experience sat with me. And here I, you know, here I am all these years later, I had, you know, based my life around moving back to Tahoe. And, you know, one of the first things I did when I used to come back to Tahoe was ride the flume trail. And, you know, that made an impression on me.
3: Yeah, that and it's,
2: it's powerful for what you're doing for those kids is powerful. And, and, you know, it's something that we're talking about on the show a bit, it's mentorship, and, and, you know, passing a torch and what that means in these sports, in both, particularly with backcountry schemes, it's kind of the, the, the path of access for a lot of people is that they have to have someone that shows them the ropes. And then sure. I think for what you're, you know, the level of mountain biking that you're doing, like, it sounds like you sort of fell into it somehow by your, you know, on your own. Yeah. But for a lot of people, they need someone to, you know, to show them the way. Yeah. And you showing those kids, those trails, I think could really shape their lives.
0: And that's
2: that's good on you.
3: I think there's, you know, you have parents that maybe show their kids the way into Mm -hmm. mountain biking or backcountry skiing. But outside of that, like, I, I agree that you need some sort of mentorship and, I totally see it with the kids. It's like the things that they latch on to. And even when I think back to when I was in high school or even the early days of my biking, it's like the things that people showed me or said to me, like, hey, mm-hmm. like you're really talented or like you're you're really good at this, like in and, and the way that they said it or the way that they motivated me, like I was telling you earlier like rich was like oh you should go to this ashland race and i was like i don't know it's kind of far and he's like you're young you could drive there and back in one day like you don't need to sleep like you're young and it's like you know just like that just stuck with me it's like oh why am i being so you know like uptight about this like i should totally just go and just do it like why am i being so analytical about you know doing something fun and and Mm -hmm. i think yeah showing these kids that that's the cool thing about biking is like you can do it anywhere and you can meet people and you can see things that you wouldn't see if you just drove over the pass. So I think it's, it's really cool for that. And it, it it gets them out. And we had uh, a couple kids that like, you know, one had an ankle monitor from some trouble that he had gotten into and
0: Mm -hmm.
3: um, yeah, like kids make mistakes. And I think, the mountain biking is a good way to motivate them to kind of get back on track and like gives them something more than, you know, maybe what they have at, yep. at Dayton, like, you know, sitting at home, not doing anything. So
1: the bike keeps kids out of trouble, man. It really does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's like the, you know, we talk about going to church, you know, and that's being yeah. on the bike and it's this thing and, or like medicating, you know, people like my medication is my bike and it, it helps, um, just, I think get the bad, energy out of your system and, and replace it with the good energy and, and be motivated to be outside and, and exploring the woods and, you know, kind of being closer to what we all as organisms should be doing. And that's, you know, being in the woods and being
2: thoughtful, you know, that's a little bit of our, the name of the show is mind the track. And, you know, we, we always ask our guests, which we'll ask you, you know, what does it mean to you to be putting your mind in the track? But since we're talking about for these kids too, you know, by them putting their mind in the track, they're you know they're bettering themselves. They're thinking good thoughts. Yeah. They're 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 thinking about good things, and hopefully not thinking about bad things. So I think you know can, you know helping those kids out is 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 huge. So
3: yeah, and you learn so much from from helping out and, and seeing them. And you know that I think just being a teacher, it's always surprising when you take the phone away and you take things away mm-hmm. that kills creativity in some ways and you just like ask them a question like the answers that they'll give you sometimes you're like wow I never even thought about that and like yeah when I see the kids out on the trail and it's you know they stop because there's like a snake, you know, and like, they want to pick yeah. up the snake and like, <laughs> they made me hold the snake, that's but like, you know, they're awesome. like, they're like, Oh, like coach Morrison, you made us go down that rock roll. Like now you have to hold the snake. Cause we know this scares you. And it's like, yeah, it's just, you get into these situations yeah, that are just so great. fun. And like the things that they say, you're just like, Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And then, you know, and then the thing that like really gets me is like, somebody will have a flat and then somebody another kid will come over and start helping right away. And then somebody will be like, well, here, you can have my tube. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, you know, they're all helping each other. And then at the end of the year, I always do like, um, uh, what is it called? Where you're like most likely to blah, blah, blah. And we have these awards and I'll, I'll make like a Google sheets and I'll send it to the kids or Google forms and I'll send it to the kids and I'll say, you know, go through. And I, I make some prompts, like most likely to go pro most likely to send it most likely to you know, stop and take a picture. You know, I like, I have some pre like, you know, made ones and then they go in and they say who they think should have them. And then they have like blank spaces where they can make up their own. And it's like, they're so sweet. Like the things that they make up, they're like, Uh. yeah, like most likely to stop and help a stranger. or Like, you know, most likely to give somebody their snack and like, yeah, it's just, it's super cool. And like the snack time is always my favorite too. Like we'll stop on the trail, like at a, a view spot and the kids will get out their snacks and it's like <laughs> i've seen the craziest things like
1: <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of snacks are they pulling out
3: oh my gosh this one these two kids they're um they have like a garden at home and they like they pulled out like cucumbers and tomatoes wow and then um yeah and then yeah the uh, <laughs> another kid had like a whole bag of twizzlers like a family size bag of <laughs> twizzlers <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we've had like all um, kinds of snacks out there, leftover pizza. Um. Yeah, just so hot. Cheetos. Those are such
2: good skills. Like getting, like having, hearing about the kids helping each other out with a flat. Yeah, that's what like it's that's all about. it's it's critical thinking. Yeah, you know, and that's something that our kids, these generations growing up right now, just don't have. They don't have critical thinking anymore. They've lost mm-hmm. it. They'll just pick up their phone and Google something, and that's their that's their answer. But to be yeah. out in the woods, get a flat, figure it out. That's such a yeah, huge skills for those kids. Mm-hmm. How many kids do you have in the program? So I had in, the... In Dayton. state Dayton's not that big of a school district, is it?
3: No. So our school is like 700 kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more of a rural rural school and rural school just district in itself. The county is, is very rural. But uh, when I first started, there was like, I want to say like 10 to 15. And then, um, you know, it's been a couple of years now. We had our third season this year. Cool. And so um, we had 20... Twenty five like registered. Um and part of that was definitely um some help from like Polygon, my sponsor last year, donated twenty bikes, oh, which cool. was huge. Yeah. Yeah, awesome.
2: yeah, I was gonna say let's give a shout out to any of the yeah. any yeah. listeners <laughs> that are associated with bike companies. You and know.
3: Trek Trek also has um a scholarship that uh that was that's been helpful the last couple of years where they'll actually pay for all the fees for this the kid and then they send cool. um their partner with like Bontrager and they'll send like a helmet and shoes and a little multi-tool kit and like all cool. the gloves, a jersey. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool how they have that support to ha- kind of help get it going. And, um, and the, and the thing with Polygon, when I w- signed with them and, and they were like, we want to help you with the mountain bike club. And I was like, that'd be amazing. And he's like, we're going to give you 20 bikes. And I was like, yeah, right. Like you guys are actually going to do that. And then like the season started and 20 bikes showed up that I had to put together, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) did you call rich? Like, Hey man, I need your help.
3: (laughs) They were pretty simple bikes, but I could handle it. But I had 20 bike boxes that I didn't know what to do with. Um, and yeah, I spent like the day in the garage putting those together. And, um, because I, I I really do think that sometimes the hurdle to getting them out there, one of the hurdles is definitely the equipment. If they don't have a bike, they're never going to say, and some of these kids, you know, it's like they've, they're they in high school and they've kind of accepted almost where they're at. And it's like if they know that their parents aren't going to buy a bike or can't afford a bike, then they're just not even going to say, like, I want to do mountain bike club. And so I wanted to take as many of those barriers away as possible. And And even this year, it was super helpful. Somebody volunteered to help coach and he works for the Boys and Girls Club. And they have a van. And so he actually would, would drive the kids, which was huge. Like, you know, when we had the Saturday rides, um, he would pick the kids up in Carson and meet us, you know, up in Tahoe or wherever we were riding or, um, Mondays we would ride in Carson city and he would get the boys and girls club van and drive the kids from Dayton into town. So that took out the fact that like, yeah, like I don't have parents that can drive me there or whatnot. Before that, um, people were really good about sharing rides, and, and that helped a lot. But, yeah, it's just kind of like trying to get those barriers away so that they can actually say yes and, and do it and enjoy it. And and it's really cool, you know, like I'll see the kids in the hallways the rest of the school year, and they'll come up to me and be like, oh, is Mountain Bike Club going to be in the spring? Like, or, you know, like, you know, when, when can we do Mountain Bike Club again? The
1: word's out. Yeah. These kids are loving it.
3: Yeah, and it's just, it's cool to see how much they – They enjoy it and and are having fun with it. And, you know, like, they, they, like, another funny story is, like, one kid bought, I I think, no, he didn't buy them. He had Fox stickers. Like, I I give out stickers all the time because I have stickers all the time. And he put, like, Fox stickers, like, over his, like, I don't even know what Cheap fork he had on there. Oh,
1: no, on the station. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then another, I heard them talking one time and he's like, Yeah, he's like, I'm going to buy the Fox 38 stickers so that I can put it over the fork. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, it's so cool, like how much they pick up on, like, you know, they, they won't really say it, but they'll like see it and then they try to emulate it and, yeah. and do it on their, on their own stuff. And yeah.
2: So and do they know how badass their teacher is <laughs> or how their, their, their coach is? Do they know about your exploits? And
3: Yeah. I mean, it, I, I think definitely, definitely like the mountain bike club kids know. And, and, um, yeah, I would imagine they, they look up to me and, and have that that aspect. I mean, um, whenever we do like little contests out on the trail, they're always like, Well, I think one comment one time was like, I, I rolled, I did this rock roll. I was like demoing a rock roll. And like the one kid after I did it, he like turned around and was like, Well, of course it looked easy because yeah, that's Coach Morrison. Like it's not that easy. Like she just made it look easy. <laughs> Uh, and then like last year I did the trophy of nations race. And so I was, I missed a week of work and, and, you know, that was during mountain bike club. So they all knew that I was going over there to race. Where is that? and
2: What was that all about?
3: So the trophy of nations, um, was, uh, it's an enduro race and the top three ranked riders from each country make up a team. And so it's a team race essentially, cool. but it's everybody's individual times added together for the country. And then, you know, um, that's your ranking overall in the country, but it was, it was really cool. I don't think they're going to do it anymore just because they've changed from EWS to UCI World Cup and there's no team Enduro in the World Cup, but, um, but it was really cool to be a part of it and be on the team last year. Uh, and we,
2: how did Team USA do?
3: We got fifth, which is yeah, which is which was good. Um, I, I actually... I feel bad because I like, I had the, I had the mechanical on the team. I had a front flat that cost like probably like 40 seconds on stage one. But overall I had, I had a, the best time like on our team. And I think it was like 10th uh, individually. So I was really happy with that. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, we were fifth as a team, but it was, it was really, it's a really cool design. Like it really encourages the teamwork. Yeah, um, You have one minute to all drop from the top. So um, like team USA start you have your start times for each stage and like, you know, you have to decide how you want to drop, like who's going first, if you're going to follow each other, if you're going to space out. And so there's a lot of, you know, strategy that can be done there. Um, and so we had some different ideas and then once we got into race mode, things shifted a little bit, but essentially like I, I led for most of the stages and then they just like would follow me. Cause when you're following somebody that's faster than you, you can ride faster, Yeah. you know, you can see their lines and halfway through the race, like they were pretty tired, and so following me was kind of a way for them to just like kind of chase the carrot and like push through some of those like longer physical stages. And um, and then yeah, like when I flatted, it was like I had my teammates there and they helped me fix the flat. I actually I actually flatted twice. I, I'm ashamed of this, but I flatted at the very end of the race, and we had to we had to get back to the venue for the final time check. And so they actually like. Um, We used a tube because we didn't have time to change it. Um, Where I held on to the tube and Portia like pulled me with the tube, and Kate was like out front, kind of blocking the wind. And we were just like (laughs) trying (laughs) to. That's one
1: way to care of a flat tire you yeah. just use the tube to tow someone <laughs> <laughs>
3: i mean we're all tired at this point that race was pretty big it was where, like where was it it was in finale lagiri in italy oh wow and yeah. um yeah it was uh, like it was like almost 40 miles and like 6400 feet of climbing and yeah, it's big... you know kind of a hot day and in the ews like you have in enduro you know you're not timed on the climbs but at ews like they give you a time to make your next stage and so if you have a mechanical or you're, you're not feeling good, like you're riding slow, like it could be tight to make the transfers. And if we all didn't make it to the next stage, we weren't allowed to drop. So like if one person didn't make Mm -hmm. it, then the team's done. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were, you know, the last stage we finished in the neighboring town and you had to pedal I think like three miles back on the road to get back to the venue to do your final time check. And so yeah, like, we were all tired, but, like, we were just, like, we got this far. Like, we need to finish. Like, we're not going to miss that time check. So, yeah, they were they were towing me, and I was, like, pedaling hard with the flat and um, just dodging Italian traffic trying to get back to the That's venue. terrifying.
1: That's more dangerous <laughs> doing the race itself. Oh, imagine. my
3: gosh. I'm like, can we just have a little more chill time to, like, not have to, like, fight Italian drivers on mm-hmm. the road? But, um, but, yeah, so the Trophy of Nations was super cool, and Fun. I got – nominated for the team. And so I, um, I asked for some unpaid leave from work to go. And then obviously I wasn't around for the mountain bike club. So like the kids all knew I was over there racing. And, um, definitely the, I think the longer that I've been teaching, like the more the kids have like stumbled onto my Instagram. Like, it's always funny when a kid's like, Oh my God, Miss Morrison showed up in my like you know, reels discovery. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I think more like kind of know and like have, you know, seen things on, on Instagram and, um, yeah, kind of know. And, and I think like, yeah, there's definitely that, like the, like the kids know it and they think that that's really cool. And then I think there's just like a group of them that are like, eh, whatever, like what's mountain biking. (laughs) Yeah. But
1: yeah. What, what, um, what have you been up to this season? I know that we, you and I both were down at Seattle and Monterey, but, um, just before that you were in Tasmania. Yeah. So tell us about that.
3: Yeah. Some, um, some changes. So I left Polygon at the end of last year uh-huh. transition reached out to me and I've always thought that their bikes have, have been really cool and just a, a cool brand in general. And, Um, kind of came out of the blue. I was pretty set on staying with polygon. And then I, I got an email from Lars and I was like, Oh, like, okay, I'll look into this more. And Marco Osborne has always been Mm -hmm. a friend and I've always looked up to him as a rider and, uh, he's super talented. And so the idea of being partners with Marco on like our own little, like independent enduro team, I was like, that would be pretty fun.
0: Awesome. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so, um, so I ended up yeah, going with transition, um, they just, they're super supportive and they were pretty much like, yeah, just like, we like what you do. So just keep doing it and we'll support you. And I was like, Oh, like that's pretty nice to have that freedom. And, um, yeah. And so basically just Marco and I need to be somewhat on the same page and do some stuff together. And so Marco and I started talking and, um, I was really on the fence to go to Tasmania, which is where the first two, it's now the world cup, but the UCI world cup enduro were in Tasmania And I've always wanted to go to Australia and New Zealand, um, since I was already down there. And so, uh, yeah, I, I was on the fence for a while because it was really expensive and logistically, it just seemed kind of like a nightmare to figure out, uh, with the venues. But, um, I, I texted Marco probably like maybe a month and a half before. And I was like, let's do it. Let's go. And he was like, I was hoping you were going to say that. (laughs) And so so we started planning and, um, yeah, I decided to go to New Zealand first, but I should back up. I, I, um, I asked work for a leave of absence. So I was just thinking like, you know, I, you don't really get that many opportunities to really travel and race. And I'm kind of at the peak of my, my racing, I think, and, um, how much I want to seriously pursue this. So I was like, yeah, I, I would like some more time off cause we only get two vacation days a year. So I asked the school district if I could have a leave of absence and they approved it, which was really awesome. cool. They've been supportive and, um, like the, the deputy superintendent, his son's on the mountain bike club. So I feel like he was like, okay, yeah, like we like what she's doing on the mountain bikes and she's supporting the school. So they granted it. And then, um, I, so the end of February was my last day and then, um, pretty much March. I, I took off and went to New Zealand and Tasmania and, um, I was definitely nervous going down there because we've been having this just crazy winter and uh I didn't really mountain bike that much so uh yeah I I went down there and um uh it went it went well but my arms were definitely not ready for a long descent that's for sure
1: <laughs> Did you uh did you guys, I love, by the way, that photograph of you and Marco, it was, you're, what was the, so there's, we're going to have to post this yeah, photograph up on our, to on see our, it. On our Yeah, so- Tell us about this photograph, it's hilarious. <laughs>
3: So, yeah, so, you know, we're down there, and everybody's... It's the first race of the season, so all these factory teams are all posting their team photos, and Marco and I are just, like, scrolling through Instagram, like, oh, like, another team photo, and Marco's like, we need to take a team photo. And I was like, okay, what do you want to do? And they were, like, brainstorming these ideas of, like, just silly, silly things that we could do, you know, like, kind of as a joke of, like, you know, we're this, like you know, transition unofficial factory team is kind of like what we were going with. And so I was like, well, what about that? Um, stepbrothers, like, you know how they, they have that photo and stepbrothers where they're wearing like the plaid vest and they're like posed all awkwardly. I was like, what if we did something like that? And he's like, oh yeah, that's good. Let's do it. And so, um, they actually had like practice Friday and then we had Saturday off and then the race was Sunday. So we were you know, we were just like at the Airbnb in Tasmania, and um, I was like, let's just go to like a thrift store and see if we can what we can find. Well, they didn't have any plaid cutoff, you know, vest like that's definitely kind of hard to find, but we just found these like random things like i basically was like marco you need to get that and then he's like well then you need to wear this <laughs> <laughs> and so mine was like this like furry vest with like leopard print underneath and then he had like just yeah like a was it was like no, a hawaii so it was like a hawaiian t-shirt and then he also had camo shorts that were like totally australian style like way too tight and way too short but he, he didn't bring those home with him, um, which I think he should have. But uh but yeah, and then yeah, we just had um the other friend that we were traveling with, Kate, she was like our photographer and just like, you know, in the house we were staying at. It's it was like perfect. retro it was like a retro yeah. house, right? This house was like really old and they had yeah. like they had these binoculars that I think they were from like oh, they were so old. They were like nineteen thirties, like binoculars. And they had this globe, and so like we're getting all these like props around, <laughs> and then Marco's like making up the name. He came up with this like crazy name. It was like, you know, transition unofficial factory elitish globe trotting adventures.
0: Yeah. Like
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, and yeah, we posted it, and it like blew up. People loved it. Like they just thought it was hilarious, hilarious. and like, oh, I think it really awesome. just kind of like embodied like Marco and I. Like you know, like we're. I I think we're just like pretty chill people and just want to have fun. And, um, I think Marco more so, you know, than me, I think sometimes I can get a little serious and that's why I'm, I'm stoked to be partnered with him because he's such a good reminder of like, just enjoy it, enjoy the ride. Like, you know, for the first race, I took off before him and he was just like, Hey, just like smile, have fun out there. And it's, you know, just kind of stuck with me. It's like, yeah, like this is supposed to be fun. Like, you know, if you're stressing about it and, and whatnot, like you're, you're, Killing the fun, so um, I'm really stoked to be partnered with him, and we have some fun stuff um, coming up. Like we're, we're we're doing TDS Enduro, and then we're and <laughs> actually at Sea Otter last weekend everybody was shocked to see him there. Cause he's not really a sea otter guy. And right, so right. he was like, yeah, Amy made me come,
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but we had a, we had a lot of fun. We camped WTV had like all these camp spots and we camped. Yeah. With them that was, we
1: had I cooked yeah, out with you guys. Yeah. Was so we were,
3: awesome. was making dinner every yeah, night yeah. and it was, it was actually really fun. I had a lot of fun outside of the racing. Um, It was a lot of fun hanging out with everyone. And then, yeah, Marco raced the downhill. And, um, yeah, so we're doing TDS. And then we're going to do Trans Madeira, which is a five-day enduro race around the... It's an island, um, Portuguese Mm -hmm. island, but it's, like, more, like, off the coast of Morocco. But we're doing that event. Marco's really into the trans racing, the multi-day racing. He's super good at, like, you know, racing blind and... Right, yeah. So we're doing that and then we're going to go race the world cup in finale. And then we kind of break away a little bit from each other at that point in the season. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it, it's cool though, being with him and just, um, you know, with Polygon, like I had teammates, but they were all international and it's cool to have somebody, you know, honestly, he lives like 30 minutes away. So that's cool. Yeah, You guys are holding
1: it down here. He lives right? 30 seconds away from me. <laughs> yeah. It's been awesome having him as a neighbor yeah. and, uh, he, he's what I love, especially about Marco is that in the wintertime, he's just down to go for a hike. Like if we want to go back country skiing, he's not, he doesn't have any big objectives in mind. He's not like, we got to, we got to bag this peak or we got to do this objective. He's just like, I don't know, man, let's just go for a walk. Let's just go. Yeah, yeah we'll go over there. Or we'll go over there. And he, he's just down for being out in the woods and, and the experience.
3: Yeah. Like the winter this winter it was definitely a, a backcountry ski winter, like epic winter. So I was back in country skiing a lot and I dirt bike and, um, yeah, just like to do other things. And I think sometimes I get like really antsy and anxiety, like, Oh my God, I'm not mountain biking. Like I'm, I'm not going to be good. Like I have a race coming up and Marco is really good about just like, yeah, just doing other things like living in the moment. Like, Hey, I can't really bike right now. I'm going to go ski. And, uh, yeah, just seeing him do that and then just go crush it is reassuring that that's like a good method to use. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it seems like fun's a good formula for you (laughs) and crushing it. Yeah. Like fun, (laughs) you having fun with Marco has led you to having three podiums at sea otter last weekend. You took a first, second and third. Like what is is there anything there that you didn't do or
1: win? I want to make a picture of, I was telling Amy, she needs like a picture of herself on the podium and then just like, you know photoshop her on every step of the sea otter podium like full podium of amy over the weekend yeah
2: so i mean yeah. l- l- tell us about that you got first in the enduro mm-hmm. and
3: yeah which like yeah the enduro is like the super pedally it's a short course you know not a lot of room for like mistakes to to do well and mm-hmm. um once i got that win in the bag i was like okay like okay we've, we got a win at sea otter like this is a success in itself so like we're happy with that and then Dual slalom. I don't really do dual slalom. Like I've done it once at Whistler Crankler Crankworks, but, um, yeah, I was just having fun with it. And, and and, like, actually after practice, a couple of people that I know were like, Hey, you look really good. Like, you know, you could, you could do really well. And I was like, really? Like, you think I look good? Like, you know, you're watching everybody and it's so hard to gauge like what your speed is. I qualified fourth, which was definitely like an indicator, like, Oh wow. Like, okay. And I'm kind of on pace. Um, and then, yeah, once I, the dual slalom format is so fun. Like I wish there, somebody needs to do like a dual slalom Enduro. series, no, <laughs> like that. series, I mean, like dual slalom
1: yeah. used to be everywhere in the early days of mountain biking. It's what there's it one of the main events. There's like the cross country race, the downhill and the dual slalom. And then dual yeah. slalom seemed to disappear. And I don't know why. Yeah. But I agree it's, with you.
3: It's so fun. Just going to head to head with people yeah. and like, yeah, it really exposes like your weaknesses. Like I kind of went into it the mindset of like, Hey, this is a really good training opportunity there was a rhythm section and I did double, like double, double in practice. But, um, I decided just to like on the one line, just double and then kind of like roll out because, um, I just didn't want to get hurt. Like, you know, like that's early in the season. And so I just tried to stay with like a safe, um, smooth as fast kind of approach. And yeah, like there's a video of me going against Jill in the semis, Jill Kittner in the semifinals. And like, she's double doubling the one lane and I'm like pumping the other lane. And I, I ended up actually beating her in the first round and getting the advantage. And it's like, I look back on that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like it's just crazy that you like, you don't have to be doing all the crazy things to be going fast. Like you can just have like a smooth approach. And I think I really was like pushing it in the corners and riding really well. And yeah, I ended up third in that one, which was, was a surprise and definitely cool. And then downhill, um, yeah, like the next day with next morning, like quick turnaround into downhill. And, um, yeah, I just, I just told myself at the top, like, you know, you, you're already crushing it. You're having a good weekend and like, just have fun and just like do your best. And yeah, it went, went well, I got second. So
1: one, two, <laughs> three. Crushing. So she, yeah. uh, the, so we have this thing called the send of the week, our, our charter supporter, Sandy. I'm going to give a plug right now. It's an online app that you you know buy, sell, and rent used gear,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the name of the app is Sendy. So we're doing this Sendy Send of the Week, and you know we like highlight something really awesome that we saw, and it just so happens you're on the show. You're on me. the show, <laughs> and it's like and yeah, it just full podium from from Amy. Yeah, so yeah. badass, good job on that. Thanks. It's super yeah. cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Sea Otter was a great time, man. I went down there, and I think the big thing about Sea Otter is that it's just a good time to catch up with friends. Um, the setting's really pretty. Um, the weather can usually be really nice. And it was for 90% of the weekend. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a fun event to hang out and to catch up with friends. Um, but yeah, uh, good luck to you on the rest of the season. I know you're, I mean, we're just yeah, getting you started. Yeah, got some adventure lined up for sure. And you're killing it. Yeah, so thank you. we're fired up for you. Um, you know, we're going to wrap here in a couple of minutes, but there are a couple of things I want to ask you before we go. Um, one of the things is, you know, you, you have this cool house that you renovated here in Carson City, and you moved to Carson a couple years ago. How's it been for you living in Carson? What do you think about Carson
0: City?
3: I I really love it here. It's um, I think it's perfect for me. There's so many things that you can do. It's like, you know, when when the skiing is good, you go ski. If the skiing's not good in the winter, you go dirt bike. Um, you know, the mountain biking, there's access to Tahoe, there's trails, even in Carson city definitely can get hot here in the summer, but I'm usually not here in the summer. So I'd say summer might be like the hardest part for some people, but, um, but yeah, I, I love it. Um, it's, it's a quiet town, which I like, I'm not really, um, yeah, into big cities. And if you want activities and people like you just go to Reno, like Reno for, what reno is it has a lot of events so totally mm-hmm. if you're like a social person you can just go up there um and yeah I, I i really enjoy it
1: and you told me earlier that um you can go to the trader joe's at <laughs> seven in the evening and there's nobody there because
3: i feel like that's yeah I don't tell anybody <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's, i mean i don't think anybody that there's lives like... in carson that would not be at the trader joe's at 7 p.m is listening to our show so i think
0: <laughs> yeah i mean
3: it's yeah it's it's quiet like you yeah it's always i always laugh like when i roll into trader joe's like anytime after sunset honestly so yeah. like in the winter right, it could right. be like five thirty <laughs> 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 and there's like nobody in there you're like oh my gosh like yeah so i actually go into like shock when i like go to other trader joe's and i'm like oh my gosh like there's so many people in here like <laughs> There's nowhere to park outside. So
2: I've been telling a lot of my friends in Tahoe that are trying to get into you know buying their first home, and I've been you know pumping Carson and just you know yeah yeah you guys should look at Gardnerville and Carson and you know and they're like why and like two of my main points on it you know not to sell out Carson but I I do think that this place has a lot to offer. But you know I tell I tell people that if you live in Carson and you drive a half hour to the west, your feet are in Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And if you live in Reno. And you drive a half hour west, you're stuck in traffic. And you're truck- still in, Tru- in Reno. <laughs> you're well, still you're, in Reno. yeah, you're still, you're, well, basically you're, you're in the greater re- Truckee Meadows, which yeah. is you're in Truckee stuck in traffic. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. then the other thing I tell people is that if you get up, if you live in Carson or live in South Carson, like down in, you know, down a little further south uh, towards Genoa or, or in the, in the valley there. Yeah. Uh, if you wake up early, you're, you're two hours from Mammoth. Mm-hmm. You know, your first, you wait, you leave it, you leave your house at seven, and you can almost be at first chair at Mammoth by nine nine a.m. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. you've got you've got options. You can go to Kirkwood. You can go to Mount Rose. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it just ha- and you're not dealing with the whole eighty corridor and the whole mm-hmm. mess. And you of never everything have to shovel going. snow, really, and you don't have to shovel snow. I mean, you like, can
3: if you want, but it, it melts so fast that yeah. you know you're not you're not going to yeah. have it stack up on your driveway.
2: Yeah, I, I, I love this area down here, and since my since we moved to. To to incline, and are on the that north side of the lake. We really don't go to Reno much anymore, and we come to car-
1: Carson's grown on me. I love it here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I agree. I really do. And the trails and the connectivity. Like we went for before the podcast today. Amy and and Powbot and I went for a ride, and we rode just around the you know kind of the Ash Canyon area, and. And it's, it's just, it's great just backyard trail, you know, like you don't need to have the most Epic trail, um, like out your back door, like you can go to get the big Epic trail, but it's nice to have like a quality backyard trail network mm-hmm. that you can go do a quick ride on, or you can go do a trail run on or take your dog for a run, you know, like, and Carson has that and they have bike paths everywhere, like paved paths. So you don't really ever have to put wheels on like an open road with shared with vehicle traffic and carson's done an amazing job shout out to muscle powered which is the local trails organization in carson and um yeah they've done a great job of like being multi you know um bike transport from building actual dirt single track narrow trail to like helping develop these like paved paths for kids and families to be able to ride their bikes and not be you know at risk of getting run over by a car it's yeah, really yeah. cool
2: i'm looking forward to the new connection that's mm-hmm. going to come off of T.R.T. Oh, yeah. there's oh, going to yeah. be a new section then that, that will you know instead of always having to drain out Ch- chimney beach you can actually take, yeah turn go the other way take yeah. a dirty left and go the other way and four thousand and come all the way down to carson four
1: thousand foot descent from the top of marlette into lake literally it puts you on um on uh was it king street is mm-hmm. it King street, yeah. the main drag, it puts you like right there, like at the bottom of the grade. Yeah. It's that might be a huge. new favorite trail. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be a really, it's going to be a game changer for Carson. I think it's going to actually attract not only people to come ride here, but to move here They're like, man, there's great access, oh, you yeah. know, for quality of life. Um,
2: but yeah. So that we haven't ridden that trail yet. It might be a new favorite, but Amy, what is it? What is your favorite trail? Local here in the area, like yeah. if you've got a full day, like what? What do you? Where do you want to go? Sand?
3: Oh, for sure, Toads. I okay. mean, that's yep. just like the one that yeah. always comes to mind. Yeah. Mr. Toads is so hard to beat, and I I love just going to that area and just doing a big like. It feels like big mountains back there. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can get up I like going to Star Lake yep, and just Pass making, and Star. It's yeah, a, it's magical make, up there, right? Making a big loop, and sometimes you know the T R T gets a lot of hikers on it. But if you you know I'm a teacher, so like if you hit it like midweek in the summer it's usually pretty quiet up there and yeah i just love like doing a big ride out there and then finishing on toads you know but toads is definitely my favorite i think i've like thought about like how i could ride like toads like four times in a day
1: (laughs) (laughs) have you ridden it since the caldor fire i have yeah, Yeah, yeah i think it rides better i don't know what you think but
3: it rides better if you like you know like i think it's easier
1: better sight line yeah, you, it's a you can, sight, you can huh? see and like kind
3: of you know there's there's also some like lines that have opened up I think yeah as well um so it's it's definitely fun and fast in some some new ways but mm-hmm. um yeah and it, it looks kind of cool too in some ways when yeah. you're ripping through like the the dark dead trees. Yeah. It'll be really
2: um, neat this year with the contrast of all the, the, the undergrowth that's going to come up. Yeah.
3: I think with the big winter that we had, there's probably going to be a lot of like new growth and Mm -hmm. and grass kind of growing in there. Um, but yeah, that, that trail is just so fun. It has a little bit of everything, you know, like you're getting like super raw rock garden chunk to high speed to like flowy, sandy turns and you know, you're just dropping down to the lake. It's hard to beat
1: it's the original downhill in tahoe it was originally a moto trail back in the day saxon creek and it's still to this day it's one of the oldest downhill trails around and it's still i agree with you it's like one of the best yeah if you can clean
2: that rock garden you get you're doing something right yeah
3: yeah it's always it's always my favorite like ripping through there and there's like people just standing there watching and like you just like rip past them yeah like Oh my God, like they just wrote that. You just put like, on
1: a show for people. You're like, yeah. Yeah. That's
0: <laughs> like why do it.
3: Once you kind of, I mean, it's always <laughs> going to be a little techie, but like, yeah, once you kind of know the line, like you can just kind of go into it and, and it's fine. But yeah, like learning the line is definitely tough. It's mm-hmm. just like people don't know. It's just like a bunch of boulders. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just like riding right. down these boulders. But
0: totally. It no, looks I, intimidating. Yeah, right? I, I, yeah.
3: Yeah. It looks intimidating. But it's, you know, I think like top to bottom, like I usually like to start on the Tahoe Rim Trail. From that direction Mm -hmm. and like drop into it. And Mm -hmm. so that gives you like an extra like five or so minutes. Yeah. And then you drop into Mr. Toad's and then, yeah, I try to like, you know, I use it as like a long enduro practice stage, which I think is, you know, kind of what I seem to have excelled at in the past is those long stages, you know, like 20 minute stages where you're just like, you know, you're finding like you're, you're gassing yourself, but then recovering and going again and like you're trying to ride tired and like staying, consistent when your arms are falling off and yeah. And so, yeah, I like to, I usually like to just sprint it, not for like Strava or anything, just for like myself, just to like Mm -hmm. see how hard I can push it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, before we go, we always like to ask our guests, uh, what mind the track means to you. Like when you hear the term mind the track, what comes to mind?
3: When I hear that, I think, um, yeah, I, 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 I guess the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, just like whenever I'm out like backcountry skiing or riding, it's, it's like being in that moment and like taking in like what you're looking at. Like today when we were on the track, I was just like looking at how green it was, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. like everything's so green from our winter. And I think that's like the beauty of like getting out and doing these things, these sports outside is like being able to like appreciate what's around you and Sometimes it's the scenery. Sometimes it's like seeing somebody that, you know, on the trail or mm-hmm. like seeing somebody like, yeah, just like smile on the trail. And I think that's, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of the first thing that came to mind.
1: Nice. I like it. It's perfect. Yeah. 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 Um, Amy, where can people find you? Uh, and like if, if you have any sponsors you want to shout out to and, and people can find you like on, on the social media or anything like that, if you're on there. How can yeah. People
3: find you? Um, on Instagram, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm Amy Mo underscore 11. Uh, there's a story behind that. I used to be something else, but anyways, um, <laughs> uh, that's my Instagram. And then, yeah, I'm riding for transition bikes and, uh, WTB, Fox, Shimano, uh, Enduro bearings and yeah, a bunch of other really cool sponsors. But, uh, but yeah, those are, those are the main ones. And, um, yeah, like races, you know, like I, I always think that, I feel like I'm an approachable person, but yeah, like I love when people come up to me and, and say hi, or like, say like, oh yeah, like I, I think at Sea Otter, somebody like was like, oh yeah, we live in Folsom, my son and I, and like your son showed me your videos and like, yeah, like you, you're rad and you, you ride fast, like awesome, keep it up. Like those are the things that really make me feel like, oh wow, like I'm, I am like inspirational or like I you know not in like that like big way but just in a little way that like maybe yeah I help somebody like get out for a ride or like see yeah. something that they yeah. haven't seen and do something that they haven't tried so like yeah if you see me on the trail like always say hi and like yeah I yeah I love when people are like oh like hey like you're Amy like I follow you and yeah it's it's cool and at races obviously I'm I'm at a lot of races but and in this summer one like after Marco and I kind of split for the summer. Like my plan is to go to the NAC Idaho race. And then from there, I'm going a road trip back to Michigan. And, uh, I grew up in the lower peninsula, but I'm going to the Marquette mountain bike festival. Right. Like, I've always wanted to go to Marquette. Like ever since I started yep. biking, they have, you know, trails up there and they look cool. And Um, yeah, so it just happened that there's this mountain bike festival and I emailed the organizers and they're like, well, you want, would you want to do like the downhill and the dual slalom too? Like, we'll, we'll get you into those. And I was like, yeah, like that sounds fun. Like, you know, and so it's like, I'm going to go there and I'm excited to check that out, but then just kind of a whole new community of people Mm -hmm. that I probably don't really know because they don't really come to the West coast. And then from there, I'm going to spend a little time in Michigan and then I'm going to go down nationals are in north carolina this year um at rock creek and so yeah i want to road trip down obviously i went to clemson so i've spent a little time in the southeast but yeah i've never rode asheville wind rock all these places in the southeast so i want to do like a little road trip and you know, stop at some transition dealers and just go on some rides. And I'm really well, excited to just do something a little different this summer. But the other big part of it is just meeting new people. Like there's just all these communities of people that I think would be really cool to connect with. Good
2: on you. Yeah. Are you going to awesome. try to hit Copper Harbor
1: when you're in Michigan?
3: I mean, Which, should I? I don't know. <laughs> that,
1: that place. It's way north. It's so like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, if you're in Marquette. But you're should, in Marquette. You should, have you ever yeah. heard of Copper Harbor? I have heard yeah. of it. You should check it out if you're in the neighborhood.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. W-
1: it's worth the trip. I haven't been yet, but I, I,
0: I'd it's on my hurt. radar to go yeah. Here yeah. in the next
2: couple of years. I want to drag Kurt up to Michigan oh, and yeah. do a couple of no, up there and we're going yeah. around. Use yeah. The, the, the scene in northern Michigan, particularly the Upper Peninsula, is rad. Yeah. That's
3: what I've heard. And U-bers,
1: man. Upers. Yeah.
3: I know. And I grew up in Michigan. So it's, you know, I wasn't a biker when I was in Michigan, but yeah, there's definitely a part of me that's like, oh, yeah, like I want to go yeah. check it out. And um, yeah, I mean, there's not very many youpers, but it's cool time up but there. but they make
1: up the numbers that they lack they make up in personality <laughs> yeah it's always like the first question people ask me like
3: oh you're from michigan are you from the up like, no like nobody is i'm <laughs> no, just kidding we, <laughs> there there are people up there and uh but yeah i'm, I'm just looking forward they're, to, they're in to- wisconsin
1: though they don't consider themselves <laughs> michigan
3: <laughs> yeah I, it's, it's it's uh cool that there's a growing community there too like it yeah. really seems like yeah. they're developing more and and adding more in so i guess like yeah if you're listening and you know some cool stuff that i just mentioned might be on my path like yeah definitely yeah, reach know. out to
2: reach out to amy and yeah. reach out to kurt now because i think we're going to be making a trip there not this summer but the following summer
1: yeah that's a perfect segue because i was going to say um you know reach out to us for input on the show if you like what you're hearing yeah. or even if you don't really like what you're hearing we want to hear your feedback. It's how we want to like kind of take the you know this path forward is to really engage the feedback of our guests. And uh, you can reach us at mindthetrackpodcast at gmail You can hit us up on Instagram at mindthetrack or mindthetrack.com. You com. You go to our website and contact us. Um, but Amy, we're we're really yeah. Thanks for coming on to have you, and yeah, thanks, thanks for, for inviting me. us to your house and going for a ride with us today. Yeah, it was a great conversation and. You know, we wish you a ton of luck coming up this race season and your leave of absence. And thank you, Dayton. Uh, was it elementary, elementary? It's high school. High, high school. school. Thank yeah. you, Dayton High School, for being a supporter of Amy. That's really awesome. It's yeah, great for cool. our sport. And yeah.
2: And I'll try to make maybe Kurt and I together can try to make one of your one of your school rides on a yeah, Saturday or a Monday. Would, Especially if you're coming to Tahoe, re- reach out to us and we'll we'll make an appearance and come come ride with you guys.
1: Yeah, I'd be stoked to do that. Yeah, sure. I love riding with kids. Yeah, thank you guys. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Amy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode seven of Mind the Track with our guest, Amy Morrison. Until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track.